Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. What an interview, man, from growing up in an organized crime family and his father killing his mother to becoming a veteran. Bob Galetta shares his heartfelt journey about addiction and even abuse from his spouse. Also, he shares how he chose to see what's possible and became an entrepreneur, coach, speaker, and podcaster. He has so many amazing stories that he could have stayed on the victim path and instead chose victory. Stay tuned for his incredible story. You won't want to miss it. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And while you're there, I invite you to connect with me on all the social media links like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and even YouTube. And today, our guest is the incredible Bob Galetta. Welcome to the show, Bob. I feel so honored. I got to tell you, that's great. This is great. This is the the most inviting welcome I've ever had in my life. Fantastic. I'm so glad I have editors. That's okay. I'm very happy to be here, despite what has happened thus far. Oh, I am so sorry about that. It's, you know, that's the... Hey, listen, I'm so happy. Working at home. I'm happy because things like this happen to everybody. Yes, and and the things that make us the same are definitely more common than the things that make us different. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome for my forgetful memory. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Make me feel right at home. Well, and I'm so glad that we are connected because we got connected through by you interviewing a good, a dear friend of mine, James Van Puren. So shout yes. out to James, even though he didn't know he was indirectly connecting us. Yes. He had no idea that he's involved in this transaction whatsoever. <laughs> right. And thank you for the shirt. As you can see, that's as as much as you can see as uh, your shirt that you sent me. So I'm so excited. Yes. Thank you very much for probably wearing it. I'm very excited to be able to have some stuff, some swag to send out. So wear it well. Yes. Awesome. So for those of you who don't know, Bob Galetta is the creator of Diary System. And he is also the host of the Beyond Our Boundaries podcast. He helps people unlock their true potential and level up. Bob shares with you the, the skills and tools and practices, principles and motivation, as well as the fundamental ingredient in transforming from who you are right now into who you choose to be. That's right. Wow. And you can find out more on his website at bobgaletta.com. Well, I, 
I'm... So the show was great. I hope you have a good day. <laughs> and scene. It's over. Okay. That's right. It's a wrap. <laughs> so, Bob, I know that we just got, just literally just got acquainted, but I just want to dive in and because I know you're just such a brilliant mind. So tell us, what does investing in people mean to you? Well, it's so funny. I, I don't believe in coincidence whatsoever. I think that us speaking on this podcast at this moment in time is serendipitous. I have a clubhouse room and we've been talking a lot. There's a lot of coaches in that room. And what we've been talking about so much is the ability for people to invest in it. One of the gentlemen that moderates with me, a man by the name of Eric James, I call him King James. He calls me the Bob father. I call him King James. Um, And there's a little bit of a story behind the whole Bob father thing. I've changed my profile picture on clubhouse to resemble that. Uh, One of the other guys that's in there made a, made a a picture for it, you know, Mm -hmm. and he kind of took the old Godfather logo and stuck my face there instead. Perfect. Uh, And it's all about, investing in other people. It's about contributing in a meaningful way to make a difference in the life of other people. And of all of the things that I do, when you get right down to it, the one thing that is paramount in my life is I tell people all the time, like I show up to make a difference, not so much to make a dollar, but don't get me wrong. I love money. And uh, you know, I'm not mother Teresa. I didn't take a vow of poverty, but if it comes down to, we have to split hairs and I show up to make a difference, which means they add value to the lives of other people. Mm, absolutely. And I wholeheartedly uh, agree with you. That's my mission in, in life. My purpose in life is to just make a difference, positive difference in other people's lives because we can absolutely. always make a negative difference. Right. <laughs> but we definitely can do that. And for a you know, short period of time, I did that as well. I tried to limit some of my destruction and mayhem to myself. And I did that for many years. I was really quite good at it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it has the effect of hurting a lot of other people in the process. So glad that I'm no longer living my life that way. Yes. And I actually did the same thing. So I, uh, yeah, lots of years of doing undesirable things for most people. We'll put it that way. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it took a long time for me to get out of that you know, that vicious cycle of pain and suffering and regret and shame and misery and guilt and then pain and suffering and regret and misery and guilt and wake up tomorrow and do it all over again, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Just to, uh, yeah, just to punish ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. What made you decide that investing as people is something that you want to do? You mentioned about being a coach. So Mm -hmm. was there something that you had really gone through, an experience that had molded you, a defining moment, if you will, that really shaped you into doing this work? Well, a few of those moments, actually, but I've had a few revolutions around the sun now, and some of my youth is blocked out or blurred out, whether it be traumatic or, you know, booze and drug fueled. But there's a day that stands out to me. I was 18 years old. I was in New York City, and I was on my way from uh, Manhattan to Queens with my sister, and we were on the bus coming home from work, and we were just having one of those 18-year-old conversations, and at that time, she asked me, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? What makes you happy? And I said, I really like to help people. Hmm. And listen, at that time of my life, I was not doing a lot of helping people. Uh, I was raised in an organized crime family, and my job was not to help people, at least not the people outside the ones that I was working for. You know, right. and, and and it created a lot of problems for me because 
I prided myself on doing a good job. I wanted to impress the people that I loved and cared about that I thought loved and cared about me. So I thought whenever I did what they asked that I was making them happy and doing the right thing. But, you know, I came to realize 30 years later that that was all transactional, Mm. you know, that, that, that what I, my impression, my interpretation of love was based on transactional love. Yeah. And it didn't happen until I was 48 years old that I realized that. But I was called back to this conversation that I had when I was 18. And when my sister was asking me, what is it that you want to do? What, what makes you happy? And that stuck with me forever. Mm-hmm. And despite the different careers that I've had, you know, I worked on Wall Street for a decade and I was in the military for a while and all these different things that I did. At the end of the day, the thing that really brought me joy was being of service to others and being able to make a difference in somebody else's life. Hmm, Beautiful. Beautiful. So at some point you shifted your mindset, you shifted, maybe you did, was there something that a specific moment that you hit rock bottom and you Mm. were like, all right, that's it. I literally now have to move forward. I have to pick up the pieces, take responsibility, be accountable to myself and let's start making that difference that I really want to do. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I had so many rock bottoms and every time I found one, you know, I would find a trap door and figure out a way to get a little bit lower. Um, And it was not, you know, I've, I've been injured a lot. I've been stabbed a few times and um, been shot at a few times, not in the military. I've been hurt and been like had a lot of physical traumas and I've lost a lot of things as well and given away tons and none of those things. None of those things made me say, hey, maybe I should be different. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And one day, seven years ago, I'm sitting in my driveway and nothing happened. Just another Tuesday at my house. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm just tired of who I be. I want to mm. like at the time I didn't use those words. I said, I just did. I, I'm tired of who I am. Yeah. And. I want to be different. And I didn't know what it looked like. And I had no idea how I was going to be something different. And that's what Mm -hmm. I talk about today is who do you want to be? When I send a message to somebody, I'll say, Hey, how are you being today? Instead of how are you doing? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the focal points of my fundamental transformation process was that no matter what I did, I always wound up back to feeling the same way about myself Regardless, like I made my first million by 25 and I was very happy with who I was, with what I was doing. But at the end of the day, as I call the, the quiet place alone, head on the pillow in the dark where there's no external noise, there's just that voice in your head. And the one that was in my head was telling me that I didn't like who I was. Mm. And so no matter what I did with my life, I always wound up to that same self-loathing that same guilt, shame, remorse, that all of those negative emotions and who the hell wants to feel like that? Right. And so I would always do something different. And I had all these different careers. I mean, all this different money and, you know, raised a family, married a couple of times. And all of these things that I did always brought me back to still feeling the same way. Hmm. So seven years ago, I made a decision that I wanted to be somebody different. And I knew that I didn't know how. Yeah. But the first thing that I did was open myself up to the idea of what's possible. And with that, I was able to start transforming my life. Mm, Beautiful. 
Beautiful. I, you know, you're so spot on when you say about the, (laughs) about rock bottom, having a trap door. Mm -hmm. I think unless you have experienced rock bottom and then you go, okay, I'm at the lowest I've ever been. And then nope, there's more. Right. You don't understand that under, you know, you don't understand that concept. Yeah. Right. And some people's rock bottoms look, well, most people's rock bottoms look completely different than anybody else's. That's right. It's like a fingerprint. It's completely unique to that person. And so other people are, could be judging and saying, Oh, that's a, that's definitely their rock bottom. And it might be for that moment. And then there's, Mm -hmm. Oh wait, there's more. That's right. You know, I've experienced that myself and, you know, I really had to get out of an abusive relationship where I just was waiting for him to kill before I said, okay, I I, got to make some changes here. And not just, I have to make some changes here. It was more about, I need to heal. Yeah. I need to heal who I am and who I was raised, how I was raised, the family that I was in. And, you know, you slipped in there, organized crime family. So how did the family that you grew up in really mold you or condition you, train you to who you were up until that point sitting in that in the driveway? For a few years in the 1970s, my father doing whatever my father did when I was a little kid, we had to leave New York. I didn't know it at the time, but come to find out he had done something wrong, pissed somebody off, something. My mother didn't really want us there anyway. We moved down south, and I moved to this little tiny town in Texas. It's right on the border of Texas and Arkansas, and I loved watching my father in action. And he, what he did was, you know, he kind of created his own little crime network down there. He took the person that he was in New York and brought it down there and, you know, created whatever kind of little crime syndicate that he could create down there. And it was great when I was down there because, you know, my brother and I'd wander all over town and we didn't need money for anything and hang out at this hotel or that candy store, whatever it was. And I just grew up with idolizing that aspect Mm. of my dad. And uh, our, our time there ended when my father murdered my mother Mm. and there was nothing, there was no charges filed. There was nothing done about it. It was, you know, it was just over. That was it. And we moved back to New York. And when I got back to New York, I felt very lost and I felt a little out of place. My godfather, who was only uh, 15, 14 years older than me, kind of took me under his wing and started teaching me how to, you know, how to grow up and how to live. And I was only 10. Wow. And, um, you know, he taught me all the important things that a young man needs to know, like bookmaking and loan sharking and shaking down nightclubs <laughs> and, you know, how to run just all these illegal enterprises. Mm -hmm. And he was one of those people that, again, I idolized. And it wasn't until I was 48 years old that I realized that that was, you know, transactional as well. All these Mm -hmm. people that I looked up to, I loved my father. I idolized my father. You know, he lied to me for many years about what happened with my mother. Still to the day he died, never owned it. Mm. I only brought it up to him once. He tried to take my head off in the middle of the conversation. We never brought it up again. But uh, it taught me how to be very good at a whole lot of things that were bad. Mm-hmm. But some of the skills that I learned in that particular arena were people. I learned how to read people. I learned how to understand people. I learned how somebody could communicate with you without actually saying a word and what it would mean. There were times when I was literally 
you know, in fear of my life. And I needed to not so much listen to what somebody was saying, because I've watched people say something to somebody and do something totally different, you know, that costs them their life. Um, My godfather's currently serving two life term sentences, plus I think 40 or 60 years on top of that. So things didn't really work out very well for him. I was able to get away from that lifestyle and I joined the service. And, Mm. you know, I'm not going to give my whole life story in, in one simple answer, but I was able to use the worst of the aspects of my life and use them to my advantage, (laughs) which was to try to, I've seen so much bad shit in my life and I don't want to have anything to do with it, you know? Mm -hmm. So all of those experiences and all of that stuff and all those tools and tips that I received growing up. I used them as a red flag for how not to be, who not to be, what not to do. And it was a struggle. Don't get me wrong, because, you know, I choose not to live that way, but it's it's not very uncomfortable. I mean, it's not foreign to me. I very easily could, you know, and that's why the why in diary stands for you choose, because each and every day you must wake up and choose who you choose to be, Mm. no matter how far you've come. At least that's my truth. I know that each and every day, you know, for those that are in recovery, for example, you can be clean or sober for whichever you term you use for 20 or 30 years, but you still got to wake up tomorrow morning and decide to do it all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the power of choice. So I didn't always make the best ones. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. And thank you for being willing to just show our or show our listeners really how it's okay to come out of a bad situation and shift and change and mold yourself into who you want to be. I kind of do the same thing with my coaching is I teach leadership values to veterans and and the military on how do you want to show up, you know, and I love that you say that you get to choose do you, and so from what I know is, um, and how I coach is really about, it starts with a mindset mm-hmm. and that leads to your emotions. Your emotions show up when your mindset is there and then emotions drive your actions and your actions get a result. So, it's funny. I just recorded a podcast today. I had recorded a week ago and then it's, if you ever record a podcast that doesn't include an interview and, and when you're done, you're like, wow, I should have said this or this or this. And all these things come to yeah, you. Of course. Yeah. So I did that and I didn't release that. I decided to re-record it and add all those things. And I don't ah. usually do that, but this time I did. And it was about emotions. Mm. And the question is, who's controlling who? Are you mm. controlling them or are they controlling you? Because for most of my life, my emotions dictated everything about my life. When Mm -hmm. I woke up, when I went to sleep, how I acted, how I treated people, what I did with my time, it was all governed by my emotions always. And it wasn't until I could start to get a little bit of a handle on my emotions and understand that I have the ability to control them in some way, shape or form. You know, we're talking about choice. Mm -hmm. One thing I try so hard to convey to people is that there are options Mm. because for so many years, I didn't know I had an option. Right. And right. What's normal? Normal is whatever normal is. And I didn't know that there was an option for a lot of the things that I was doing. So I'm all about options today. I'm right there with you. I didn't think I had a choice either. I was in that relationship that I was just, I didn't have a choice. And that came from my dad. My dad said, I didn't have a choice 
um, because when he was drafted to Korea and it just kind of, when he said that to me six months before he passed away, it was like struck me in the heart. Like Mm. I've heard that. In fact, I know I've lived that because of the things that you have told me. So you're talking about how you lived by your, your emotions controlled you. Mm -hmm. So in the family that you grew up in and to the person that you are now, do you believe that you were had the capability and the capacity to share what emotions you were going through and talk about it? Or were you more in a, in a, a family, an environment that really like shunned emotions? We don't talk about those things, you know, keep it to yourself, suck it up, buttercup kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, if, especially in, you know, a crime family, right. we don't talk about anything outside the house that happens in the house. As a matter of fact, there's so many conversations that happen in the house that aren't even supposed to go into the next room that, you know, like what happens in this room stays in this room, forget the house. Right. Right. But I was, I was fortunate because when your mom's murdered, when you're a kid, they throw your little ass in therapy pretty quick. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Uh, I cannot overemphasize the importance of therapy. Mm -hmm. I think everybody should go to therapy and I don't think you should go just because something's wrong. I think everybody should go to therapy every week. Just cause, right. Cause yeah, Listen, if I I could talk to you right now and you could help me easily solve my way out of anything because you don't have a horse in the race. Right. You're not emotionally invested in who I be. Right. Right. What I do isn't going to affect your household one iota. And that's the beautiful thing about therapy. That's why you pay a therapist. Right. Because. They're not emotionally invested in you. So you're paying for their time. When you talk to your friends, see your friends and your family, they have a horse in the race. So mm-hmm. there's some motivation there. E- even when they try to be objective as hell, they still have a little bit of selfish motivation. Right. That's why you give money to a therapist because you're paying for their time. But I was, I hated therapy when they said, it. <laughs> I'm I sure. It. I'm right? sure. I don't want to talk to these people. Not only that, I knew when I was little, talk about confusing. We don't talk. And then they're sending me to therapy. What am I supposed to do here? Right. right? Let's see. We don't talk about what happens in the house and everything in my life happens in the house. So what am I supposed <laughs> to talk about? And and then a funny thing happened was I would sit there all, you know, arms crossed and stone faced and pissed off. Yeah. And they would know stuff. And that drove me crazy. Mm. How do they know? So I started to study the therapist and, you know, especially because we moved a lot in sixth grade, I was in three different schools, but wow. we moved. And so I had a new therapist, new therapist. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to tell this one anything. And they'd still know stuff. I started to study the therapist. At a young age, I started saying, well, what are they looking at? What are they, what are they, mm. what are they doing? Well, I'm not saying a word. So yeah. what am I doing? Well, so if I'm sitting here with my arms crossed, pissed off, I'm all defensive and guarded. Yeah. Right. So a little one gives me a, a message here or a message there, and I start to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And so I start to learn what these cues mean. And then, like I said to you earlier, as I got older, I, I would watch men lie straight to another man's face. And then, you know, there'd be some serious consequences because of it. And it was very helpful. So while I wasn't supposed to be talking about my feelings, I talked about my feelings. And, you know, this is <laughs> funny because my girlfriend and I, we talk about this all the time. She is very reticent and very closed off that she believes I'll keep my stuff to myself. Ah. And me, I will sit down and tell you whatever you want to know. You yep. know, I'm not the guy in the grocery store that'll talk your ear off. But if you and I speak, if we, if we have a relationship, then I'll talk your ear off. Absolutely. Right. Because I learned that there were so many things I could do externally to change how I felt internally. Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing that I used was violence. Mm-hmm. 
to deal with my pain, I could go hurt someone else or get into right. a fight and have to beat the shit out of me. A black eye feels so much better than a swirling marble in the head. Yeah. And a swirling marble to me is, you know, that thought that's driving you bananas, just, just spinning mm-hmm. around and around and around. Well, black eye feels much easier to deal with than shame and guilt, remorse. So I used violence was one of the first things I used externally. But then somewhere along the line, I learned that I could talk about how I felt. Mm. And, you know, I used to call it my Pepino the Mouse theory, right? Gotta throw the, I got to throw the guinea aspect of it in a little bit. The swirling marble in the, ha- in the head to me was like a little mouse trapped in a bowl. Yeah. And it just runs around and around and around, but it doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But once you open up the door to the bowl and the mouse can run outside, he's got all this room out here to get free, to be lost. Yeah. Well, the same thing with the thoughts in your head. Once you open your mouth and they come out, now there's all this extra room out here for them to get diffused and not be such a swirling marble or a, a racing mouse in your head. So I've always used speech. I'll talk about something until I don't feel like it bothers me anymore. Mm. So true. So true. And especially for extroverts, I'm pretty sure you're an extrovert, Bob. So <laughs> pretty sure. Pretty sure. Yeah. Extroverts just need that time to process things out loud. And I have a, well, he's a friend of mine right now. He is, we're using the WhatsApp and all he's, and I'm helping him through his relationship or recovery of the relationship he was just in was a better, is a better term for it. Okay. Um, Because I found literally in the last probably five or six months, I have had probably five or six men come to me who have been in abusive relationship with a woman. And they did. That's me. Yeah. And they did. stabbed me. Wow. Yeah. This and and other... when I came home from the hospital, all I did was crawl into bed and go to sleep. Mm. Like like next to her. Yeah. This other man had the same thing. She stabbed yeah. him. And when he called the police, her parents came and were mad at him. Oh, I didn't call the cops. I knew better. I'd have gone straight to jail. Well, he did. And she went to jail. But what was crazy, and this was his wife, is, is just like yours. Mm-hmm. And anyway, long story short, it happens on both sides of the spectrum. It absolutely right? does. But and we talk about it a hell of a lot less than you do. Absolutely. And that's what I'm finding is that, you know, it's so important to have these conversations and to have a, a buffer, if you will. So I'm mm-hmm. that person that mm-hmm. I've always been that person that I've been in the grocery store and people are like, I say hi. And they're like, you know, and tell them to spill their life story. And I yeah. was like, I just need to know where the bread was. I didn't right, even right. know all that, but okay. <laughs> right, right. Um, right. I've been here for 20 minutes, which means the milk. I, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm just that person. And so he's been processing out loud to me over WhatsApp and just leaving a voice message. Right. And it's just been so helpful for him, but it's also been helpful for me as well as a coach to really help see where, see what's needed in the world. Mm. And there. Even though I'm not emotionally invested, I am in the fact that I want everyone to succeed because mm-hmm. what you talked about before about when that swirling marble is in your head and you then try to cause pain to stop it. I was a bully as well mm-hmm. because I was bullied mm-hmm. and I was depressed and mm-hmm. what have you. And so hurt people hurt people. That's right. And so then when I stopped hurting people, I continued to hurt myself. And I was a teenage alcoholic drinking daily. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And then after my abusive relationship and I started to heal and I started to share my story, 
I noticed that my my hair clients would go and because I'm a hairstylist as well, I would go and they would come in and I would share my story and they would go away for four to six weeks. They come back and they're like, man, what you told me, I tried it with my husband, my spouse, my boss, my coworker, whatever, child, parent. Yep. Totally changed my life. And I thought, huh, I wonder if empowered people empower people. There you go. And that's like how everything started to unfold. So I love when I see people like yourself, people who are have gone through the muck and the mire of what I call their life, right? And they've mm-hmm. really, you know, got hit that rock bottom, g- grabbed themselves by the bootstraps, carried themselves out and said, well, now it's my turn to help others. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I think, you know, I had a conversation with a woman on Clubhouse. I interviewed her recently, Dr. Terry Mack. She's a clinical psychologist. And I stumbled into a room and we were talking about trauma and the effects and counseling and things like this. And so I kind of, you know, puffed up my chest a little bit and and kind of challenged her to say, well, you're a clinical psychologist and I don't have a bunch of letters after my name, but I've lived through all that shit. Right. So when somebody comes to me and says, hey... I feel this way. I don't tell them, well, I read about it in a book. I tell them, yeah, me too. Right. Like I remember what it felt like to be that person. You know, like mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody who was giving advice to a guy who was trying to get clean from drugs. And I said, listen, the advice you're giving him is stupid. And, and of course he wanted to pull out all his credentials. <laughs> and I said, let me tell you something, pal, unless you've had a gun in one hand and a crack pipe in the other, and you're not sure which one you're going to put in your mouth next while your kids are in the next room and you're wiping away tears. Mm. Don't talk to me about what it feels like to want to stop using and be helpless over it. Right. So you keep all your studies to yourself because I know what it feels like. And so this guy that I'm talking to, he knows I know, right? Because each one teach one. You can't, you, yes. you don't, that's why 12 step programs work because the person you're speaking to knows who you're being. They know yes. the feelings that you're experiencing. And so Dr. Terry and I got into this little back and forth. And, you know, the reason why she's effective is because she's been educated and she's gone through some stuff. Mm. Right. So she's got the best of both worlds. Yeah. But yeah, that there's there's no greater power than than the power of familiarity. You know, what led me into all this coaching was in the middle of my transformation. I was doing well or so I thought. Mm -hmm. And then something happened with my now ex-wife. And it rocked me to my knees it, it, mm. and I was so broken and so hurt. And so I didn't know what to do. I got this information in the airport. We were on our way somewhere and, and I'm on the plane and I can't talk to anyone, right? That's my go-to to be able to speak to someone, make me feel better, right? To yeah. let it out. So I can't talk to anyone. I'm up in the sky. So I started writing an email to my children. Mm. I was saying goodbye to them because I figured mm. I'm either going to go out and hail a bullets after taking some people with me or... I'm going to wind up in prison for the rest of my life. I was not in a very good place. Mm. And in the middle of typing that goodbye letter to them, I said, wait a minute. What if instead of going bananas, wreaking havoc, what if I actually made a decision, follow my own diary system, which is that's what the D stands for is decide. If I made a decision to survive this and to let other people know that regardless of what you're going through, Mm. you too can survive. Yes. And in that moment, I said, that's what I'm going to do. And I started making Facebook videos the next morning. I didn't say what happened. I just shared my pain. Yeah. 
And then this thing that happened was so amazing. People started reaching out to me from literally all around the world. And they were like, I can't believe, thank you so much. This one woman brought me to my knees. She, she said, you know, I just lost my daughter and I didn't think I'd make it through the day. But then I watched your video and I realized I'm going to be okay. Mm. And what I was going through was pales in comparison. But it really made me feel good. It yeah. made me feel like I was making a difference in somebody's life somewhere. And sometimes we don't know the difference that we make. Sometimes we don't know the effect that we're having on the rest of humanity, the rest of the world, or even on your own family. Yeah. Because people are watching and sometimes we get so caught up in our own shit that we don't realize what's happening to everybody around us. And when you can tune into that, when you can be a little bit greater than you, when you can care about more than just self and show up for other people, it has an unbelievable effect. I just want to share one quick story with you to drive that home. Before I decided to clean up my life, my ex and I and a friend of mine, we used to get high all the time. And he died with three years clean at an N.A. convention of all places. Wow. And he was estranged from his wife and he hadn't seen his daughter a lot, you know, because of the life he had been living up until that point. Mm -hmm. But those last three years, he was really working on it. And as much of an addict as he was, as bad as he was at using or as good as he was, I should say. Right. He was that much more of a recovered addict. Mm. And I was asked to give a eulogy at his funeral. And I had his daughter stand up. And I said, listen, baby, you need to turn around and look. Because this is who your father is. Mm. This place is packed. Because he poured into so many people that they would take the lessons that he gave them and share that with other people. So that today still here we are three years later from, from his death, the thousands of people that he reached out to and poured into are still pouring into others from the legacy that he created by being that person. And I felt it was so important for his daughter to know that that's who her father was. Hmm. He was somebody who created a legacy that's going to touch countless numbers of people. And I can only hope to leave a legacy like that behind when it's time for me to go. Mm. Mm. You bring tears to my eyes, Bob. Thank you for sharing that story. And you mentioned your diary program. Yes. So please tell us what does diary stand for? So I was being interviewed by a videographer about two years ago, and I shared with him a lot of my life story. And we were having this casual conversation, somewhat like you and I are. And at the end of it, when I told him where I was now, he said, oh, that's great. What system did you use? And I mm. said, excuse me? He goes, yeah, what was their system that you used to get from that shitty place to this place that you are now? I, I, didn't, I didn't have a system. I didn't use the system. I, I just made a decision on who I choose to be. And, you know, I kind of imagined what that would look like. And I didn't know how, but I just created this image. And I just acted the way that I thought I should to be congruent with that image. And some things worked and some things didn't. And he goes, oh, diary. I said, um, excuse me? He goes, yeah. <laughs> Decide, imagine, act, and review. He goes, you just have to figure out what the why is for. I was like, um, you choose. He goes, there you go, diary. And, and that's wow. how the acronym was created. Love it, yeah. But the truth of the matter is that is the system that I used. I just didn't know that I was creating a system of transformation. Yeah. That was what I did. And... So then, of course, once that interview was over, I put together a course based on teaching the diary system of fundamental transformation to make a decision to imagine in a vacuum without all of your shit, without all of the bad, without all of the influences that you had, who you choose to be 
And then how do we act congruent with that vision that we've created? And some things will work and some things won't. Mm -hmm. But then constantly and each and every day, we still have to wake up and decide. We have to still choose to be congruent with that vision. And you can apply that system to every single thing you do in life. Most people struggle with decisions. Here's the greatest one that people struggle with. What's for dinner? Yeah, right. Yes. Don't we hate that question? You know, there's people like uh, Steve Jobs and and Zuckerberg, like they wear the same clothes, right? What's his name from the Patriots? He always wears the same stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's one less decision that we have to make because we struggle with our decisions so much. Well, guess what? What if you knew that you were always making the right decision? Yes. How freeing would that be? And the truth of the matter is, when your decision is congruent with the vision of who you choose to be, it is the right decision. Mm -hmm. And it is so freeing for people to be able to live into their truth and know that they're doing the right thing by who they be, Mm -hmm. that the doing is easy, right? The three principles of my program are to be open to the idea of what's possible, to focus on the being more than the doing. And then to be intentional versus reactionary. Those are the three <laughs> principles of my program. Mm, I love it. And this is why we're connected, Bob, because we are in so much in alignment. So I'm, I'm just going to say why we're, how we're in alignment. First of all, I am a certified fearless living coach. Okay. And my, the Fearless Living Institute was founded by Rhonda Britton. She had her own TV show called Starting Over. She was on Oprah multiple times. She has Emmys for for starting over mm-hmm. and her father killed her mother and then killed himself. Mm. And she was 14. Mm. And then, uh, she, can I just say real quick yeah. that if that not had not happened with my parents, yeah, there's probably a good chance at some point I might've killed my wife. Yeah. But I would never do that to my kids. Cause I know what it's like to grow up without a mother. We fought, I told you she stabbed me and we we had a very violent drug fueled booze filled insane dysfunctional relationship. And there were times when I couldn't take it anymore. And I felt, and I would tell her I'm going to snap and I'm scared that I'm going to kill you. I'm very scared. I thought I wouldn't have been able to live with it. I'd have put a bullet in my mouth three seconds later. I thought the same with my ex. I thought he's going to cause me to snap. Yeah, it is. If you, if you beat something long enough, if you abuse something long enough, at some point, at some point, it's going to come to an end. Yeah. And I I fought back. And that's mm-hmm. where, you know, a lot of people don't when they're in abusive relationships. Yeah. They just sit there and take it. And I fought back. And, he, and then I got to the point where I stopped because I didn't want to hurt him anymore. But mm. he continued because yeah. he was still hurting me. And I realize now that is the difference between him and me. Mm-hmm. However... It was also at one point in the back of my mind, like, what if I don't stop one day? Yeah. What's going to happen? And that scared me enough to where I was like, if I stop reacting and just start responding, I'm going to show up (laughs) how I want to show up. That's right. But also I want to say about your diary system that's exactly, you know, so similar to how mine came about with Spark Your Alpha. Um, the word alpha came to me in the middle of the night. I feel like I'm a spiritual person. I feel like God mm-hmm. gave it to me and woke me up in the middle of the night with the word alpha. And okay. I was like, okay, okay, thanks, God. I'm sleeping now. Right, <laughs> bring, right, right. bring it back around in the morning. Right, and right. it stands for awareness, leadership, purpose, hope, and alignment. Nice. And it, it's, I'm just blown away by how I am now 
training and teaching and, you know, all the people that is affected by this because of all the crap (laughs) that Mm -hmm. we went through in order to be the vessel now to be a vessel of clarity, a vessel of, of being able to have other people choose to have a different and a better and more beautiful life than what they were living before. That's right. You know, that's the thing, right? So why me? Why me? Why not you? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> who, the, who are you? <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, why not you? I, right. I was speaking at a rehab once and this, you know, usually the, the guests or students or inmates, whatever you want to call them, they'll, you know, raise a hand to ask a question. And one of the guys that I was with, he just let this one guy keep asking questions over and over and over. And, and the, the bottom line to what the guy was asking was why me? Yeah. And eventually I just stood up and said, why expletive deleted, not you. Like, what makes you so special? It's just your turn, buddy, you know? But instead of staying on the merry-go-round of misery and suffering, Mm -hmm. you can get off the ride. Yes. And and I find that that's so common for people that use because they don't know that there's a chance, a choice. They Mm -hmm. don't know that they have an option, like I said earlier. And it's so important for people to know that there's an option. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about you. But I know that what is special about me is that I decided to get off the ride. Mm-hmm. I decided to make a difference. <laughs> and so what's different about me is me saying, I can, and I'm nobody special, so can you. So- and that's it. That's it. And I can teach you. And you can teach someone, right? Each one, teach one. We can show somebody that there is an option. Yes. You don't have to stay in this particular arena anymore. Yes. And, and even though that option is scary and you might have be facing some fear of the uncertainty and the unknown of it. It is vital to your everything mm-hmm. that, that you start thriving rather than surviving. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Because it's just survival mode every day, doing the same thing every day. It's going to be yeah. exactly the same as it was yesterday. There's going to be a couple of slight variations, but it's pretty much going to be the same. And it's exhausting. It is. Yeah. It's so tiring. Yeah. It's, you, you know how long it, I still work sometimes on mm-hmm. living a boring life. Yeah. Right. When you're not on that, yeah. when you're not on that roller coaster of emotions, when yeah. you're not on that carousel of crazy, right. When you're not worried about all of the insane shit that goes with living your life like a lunatic and trying right. to manage it. Right. Right. You know, I, one of my sons, after he went, grew up and was out of the house, he goes, dad, I don't know how you did it. He goes, <laughs> I worry about the bills and the job and this. He goes, and you were high Mm. with a wife who was high, raising five kids and still got stuff done. I don't know how you did it, you know? And because I was so used to that insane, the insane life, it was just right. Normal is just a setting on a dryer. And, And we learn to deal with it and we learn to juggle all those balls and deal with all that craziness and all that stuff that goes with it. And then when all of a sudden none of that was there, it was just like, just sit back and relax. <laughs> Holy shit. What are we going to do now? <laughs> right. Do you find yourself like going, I don't really know how to relax. I don't know what that yep. looks like. <laughs> yeah. My girlfriend will ask me, we'll be watching something on TV. And there'll be a bunch of craziness uh-huh. going on. Right. Or, or just like this, an action movie. And it's just like all hell's breaking loose. Right. Like Satan's walking the earth and playing yeah. cards with people, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and she'll look at me and I'll look like I do right now, all smiley and happy. And she goes, you really miss that, don't you? And, and, 
there's a slight portion of me that does because it's not that I miss it, but I don't feel uncomfortable in it. Mm, exactly. Now, and and it, well, I don't know if that's even a, a good term because recently I've I've gotten so removed from it that recently I had the opportunity to be someplace where there was a lot of craziness going on, mm-hmm. and it took a matter of minutes, and I was like, this feels icky. Mm-hmm. Like I feel yucky right now what is it and i was like oh wait a minute i know what it is i don't live like this anymore right it's disgusting it's like uh my angelou yeah you get used to you know you get used to the calm water so that when the ship rocks a little bit now you feel it man if it didn't flip over in the past i wasn't even aware (laughs) of it was moving (laughs) right like like my my angelou i believe it's my angelou or maybe it's oprah that says when you know better you do better Mm. So in your regard, you, when you know better, you be better. That's right. Mm. That's right. Yeah. So Bob, it it's is also just Oprah that says, you know, when God gives her a little nudge and she doesn't really get the message and then he gives her a smack and she don't really get the, you know, eventually she's got to hit, hit, the, hit brick, the brick brick wall. Yeah. Yeah. That, or the, and the entire brick wall. Yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Drop all the bricks on my head. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Me too. Me. me too. <laughs> And I will say there's something, you said the word uncomfortable. There is something comforting in the chaos. Oh yeah. There's something comforting. Absolutely. And it, when you, when you start to distance yourself from it, the more you realize you can now pick up drama in such a a quick, Mm -hmm. a quick, like, Oh, nod, like, Oh, got it. That's drama. You immediately start to pull away because your entire energy of who you are, of who you be, that's shifts. Right. That's right. Shifts. And it's like, like everything about you is like, I don't want to go over there. No, yeah. I don't want to go yeah. really I don't even, that are yeah. always searching, do, 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 you know, yeah. like searching for potential drama or problems or, or the familiarity of the past. And you know, you don't want to do that. It's, it's, it's hard for me to get out of that. Yeah. And it's, it'll be like, just a process. Just, just being clean. It took me 26 years to get one. Mm. 26 years of pseudo trying to get one. Wow. And you know, when I walk into a room, like especially in a rehab, I will make sure that everybody gets that I identify, right? And one of the things that I do is I will ask people to stand up for different afflictions, mm-hmm. alcoholic, drug addict, heroin, coke, this, that, up, 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 up. And by the time everybody's done, by the time I'm done, everybody's standing. Yeah. And then I'll say, okay, um, Regardless of that particular affliction, if you've ever went to bed at night praying to a God maybe you do or don't believe in to kill you or to not let you wake up in the morning or wake up in the morning pissed off because you didn't die the night before, sit down and there's nobody standing up anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's something we can all identify with. And then I would then tell people that from this minute forward, you never have to feel like that again. However, you have to spend the rest of your life walking on your hands all the time because that's what it's going to feel like to go through the rest of your life without using whether it's food booze drugs gambling sex whatever you use if you're not going to use it anymore you have to spend the rest of your life walking on your hands because that's what life's going to feel like everything's going to be upside down and you're not going to know how to do it but the good news is there's people like you and there's people like me and we're going to hold your legs up and we're going to teach you how to walk Mm -hmm. and we're going to show you this new way until you get proficient at it and then one day you're going to help somebody else Mm mm-hmm and that's what it comes down to. Now, it doesn't have to be a recovery thing. I know lots of people don't have an affliction to any of that stuff, mm-hmm. but they hate who they be. Yes. And wouldn't it be great if you could lay your head on the pillow at night and truly 
truly love, feel the joy that comes from truly loving who you be. Hmm. On that note, mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bob, it's just been a joy, an absolute joy. And um, our time is running out. So I only have just a a couple more questions. First of all, where can people connect with you? We mentioned your website earlier. What about you? And you've been mentioning Clubhouse. So please tell us all yes. your social medias, LinkedIn, everything. Sure. Absolutely. So you can find me. The best place to find me is on Clubhouse. I host a room there Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. It's called Inspiration, Authenticity, and Joy. It is under the Beyond Our Boundaries Club, which is the name of my podcast. You can check out my podcast. It's called Beyond Our Boundaries, uh, which Shay is wearing the shirt for. On Clubhouse, you can find me at Bobby Mush. On Instagram, it's Bobby Mush 13. Twitter's Bobby Mush 13. All my stuff is Bobby Mush or Bobby Mush 13, the number 13. And the best place if you want to speak with me is to go to bobgaletta.com forward slash call and book a call with me. And if you want to learn about the diary system and uh, hire me as a coach or work with me about unlocking your true potential, that is the best way to do it. Awesome. So bobgaletta.com. Yes. Forward slash call. (laughs) Forward slash call. Awesome. That's if you you want to book a call. Otherwise, just go check out the website. And I would love to be able to have a conversation with you. I love to talk to people. And you've been so amazing (laughs) with sharing your stories with us. So thank you so much. And it's been a joy, like I said, and just so inspiring your story. And I'm so glad that you've been invested in yourself because it naturally just overflows. So thank you. Are you you on Clubhouse? I am. We need to follow each other. Yeah, you got it. You got it tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. It's a little early for you. We're going about an hour and a half. But when (laughs) you wake up. Jump into inspiration, authenticity, and joy. Okay, I will. I will. And also, I like to leave with this question Mm -hmm. of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Mm. Mine all comes down to who do you choose to be? Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. And if our listeners want to know more about who they choose to be, they can contact you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to us speaking on my podcast. I can't wait. Uh, me too. I'm excited. Thank you. And thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. If you enjoyed this episode, because I know I did, and you probably took notes because Bob is just incredible, inspirational, and just has such an amazing story. We invite you to go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. Until next time, let's get fired up. Don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.